Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, a show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Mr. Robot. titled EPS 3.6 underscore Frederick plus Tanya dot CHK. Oh, that was actually a fairly readable title. Yay! Uh, anyway, bunch of stuff going on in this episode. A lot to talk about here, particularly in the wake of the Stage 2 bombings. Now, here's something really interesting about how this episode is structured. A lesser show, after such a big, explosive, literally explosive, event uh, as these bombings, literally any other show would have taken an entire episode to just stop everything and do aftermath. Literally any other show would have done a cool down. You would have gotten the next episode and nothing all that major would have been happening. It would just be an hour of reacting to the other thing that just took place. But because Mr. Robot is such perfection and breaks every rule of television, pretty much, there's like next to none of that in this episode. Like, they do not slow down in the wake of that attack, in the wake of that major, major plot point. Uh, Aside from one subplot, where Darlene comforts Angela as she goes batshit insane, and is just, like, constantly watching news reports saying, the death toll is in, like, uh, 3,000 or 4,000, but they're all gonna be okay. Just rewinding and playing and rewinding and playing, saying, now they're all, now they all came back. Like, just flat out nutso. Aside from that subplot, which is well done, by the way, and Portia Doubleday, credit to her, she sold that so well. But, like, aside from that, literally everything else in this episode serves some form of purpose, particularly to 
continually ratchet up the massive amount of tension and urgency that has existed throughout this entire season. Right from the beginning, we're freaking Elliot, they pick up right where they left off. Elliot's looking at this wall of TVs talking about the bombings that were his fault, at least in his mind. And immediately he runs to Krista, where he's like, I can't, I, I did something, I did something, I, I can't say it, I can't say it, I can't say it. And then Mr. Robot comes out, and we get another amazing interaction between Krista and Mr. Robot, as Mr. Robot talks about, he literally confesses, he literally confesses to leading 5-9 and setting the stage for these bombings. And he is, by the way, super pissed. About the Dark Army screwing him over. Super pissed about the Dark Army taking stage two and corrupting it so completely. And Chris is just looking at him like, yeah, you have delusions of grandeur. And Mr. Robot's like, you're indulging me right now. Well, let me prove it to you. Do the math. Elliot worked at all safe. The ground zero for 5-9. And he's a hacker. He even hacked you. And he's nuts. And you can kind of see the look of realization on Krista's face like, Oh, shit, he's right. Elliot did 5-9 and was responsible for these bombings. It's such an amazing moment, and there's a really good follow-up to that scene where Krista's literally talking to her lawyer about, like, whether or not she should turn him in. And the lawyer's like, no, you are bound uh, by doctor-patient confidentiality. You turn him in, you could lose your license. You could lose everything, your entire practice. And I mean, come on. Like, there's so many psychos. Ooh, why am I yawning? There are so many psychos. <laughs> Calling into the FBI every day, claiming responsibility for 5-9. And Chris is just like, no, I know him. He did this. I, I think he is responsible. And the lawyer just shrugs it off like, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, unless he threatened to do something in the future, you can't turn him in. So Chris's hands are tied. Meanwhile, Mr. Robot goes all the way to Irving to chew out the Dark Army for hijacking Stage 2. And then Irving just captures him, shows him this little rooftop party that a bunch of rich guy elites are having, and tells Mr. Robot in this moment, your revolution was allowed to exist because it was bought and paid for by people like that. 
In other words, the revolution against the top 1% of the top 1%, the ones who run the world without permission, was orchestrated by the top 1% of the top 1%, the ones who run the world without permission. All this time, Ellie and Mr. Robot thought they were rebelling against the system, but they were actually playing directly into its hands. It was always bullshit. There was no revolution. It was a mask. It was a clever disguise to to cover up corporate maneuvering. And there's this amazing, amazing sequence in this same episode where White Rose and Price are sitting down and Price is chewing out White Rose for blowing up all the E-Corp buildings for, by the way, the sole purpose of Game of Thrones-style taking Price out of the CEO chair, making Price look awful, and sort of navigating Price away from a point of antagonism. And Price flat out says, I understood why you did 5-9. A false flag to create a temporary crisis so that you could make it easier to twist the UN to twist the UN's arm and uh, annex the Congo. That's basically I don't know why I just gave up on the price impression, but you get the point. Five nine was an elaborate ploy to get the UN in a position where they would vote. For China annexing the Congo, so White Rose could move his slash her mysterious project over to the Congo. And then Price just starts yelling at her like, why? Why did you do it? This makes no sense. Why Why did you do this? What was the point of this? And White Rose starts talking about Angela. How Price didn't control her the way she wanted when she was threatening her plan. And basically, White Rose distills all of this 71 buildings. Three to four thousand lives. All of it because I had to ask twice. I'm just going to say it. White Rose, one of the greatest villains in television history. Like, if this show gained more mainstream popularity than it ended up having, White Rose would be regarded on the same level as Gus Fring. I'm 
I'm just drawing that line in the sand. White Rose is, like, just freeing levels of television villain perfection. Meanwhile, the FBI has Tyrell in custody. Lawyers trying to spin everything as he was captured, he was held prisoner. There's, uh, he had no involvement. He was just targeted. And Dom's looking at him like, no, 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 no. That's not a thing. That's not what's happening. That's a lie. He was not held prisoner. And the lawyer's just like, well, he was. And so you're gonna listen to him. And you're going to have him ID the real leaders of F society. Because you don't have a lot of time. Here's this new F society video saying there's going to be another attack in 24 hours. So. Go. Listen to Tyrell. Dom is pissed about all of this. She still holds the firm belief that the Dark Army is involved. They are. And Santiago, working for the Dark Army, is like, Okay, I've had enough of this. You think you're some sort of super cop? No, you report to me, and I am telling you, we're good. We got our guy. And he's going to lead us to the real leaders, not your uh, dumbass theories. All of which are correct. We are, we're not going to listen to your hunches anymore. We have to get have hard evidence, and right now Tyrell is our only hard evidence. So now they're listening to Tyrell. Santiago, by the way, goes in to the interrogation room. And says, so, you've been asking about your wife and son. Your wife's dead. And your son's in foster care. Stick to the plan. Don't go off script. Or I will make sure your son becomes a statistic. And he just leaves. Santiago is brutal in this moment. He really, really is. But then Tyrell identifies the leaders of F Society. And those leaders are Mobley and Trenton. Who at this moment are... Being held prisoner by Leon. Who's just... Who just has them tied. Their their hands tied. Sitting on the couch in between both of them. Watching reports about the bombings. Just ranting about Fraser. He takes them out to the desert to bury their friend who he murdered. Then he hands them off to Dark Army proper, who then 
puts them in the middle of a garage, custom made to tell a story that Mobley and Trenton are the ringleaders of F Society. They are Iranian terrorists. They were about to bring down a whole bunch of planes. And they both shot themselves. And Moby and Trenton are kind of seeing this play out in front of their eyes. They're slowly piecing everything together. And the terror that goes across both of them is so utterly heartbreaking. Like, they can see where this is all leading. Uh, this dark army dude, White Rose, is one of his, one of his slash hers top goons is talking about self-sacrifice and they are just like Mobley in particular is on the verge of tears they're both freaking out they're begging for their lives and then cut to an FBI raid come into the garage find Iranian flag F society paraphernalia camera computers with uh, airline hacks And two terrorists, quote-unquote, having shot themselves on the floor. Everything the FBI needs for wrapping this all up in a nice, neat little bow. Which is satisfying for everyone, except Dom, who then goes to the F Society board, crosses out Mobley and Trenton because they're both dead, places just a slip of paper in the center. White Rose, question mark, looks on and says, you're actually going to get away with this. And then credits. And I got to praise the actors who were playing uh, Trenton and Mobley. Their work in this episode is incredible, and I'm an idiot who can't remember their names. Uh, Azar Khan and Sunita Mani. They played Mobley and Trenton uh, in this show, and they were incredible in this episode. Like, they carried this whole episode in a really, really spectacular way. But, anyway, R.I.P. Trenton and Mobley. They're dead. But, okay, I totally forgot to mention this. Remember back in that season two post-credit scene? Where they talked about how there was a way to essentially undo 5-9? Well, Trenton had an email all, all worked up. Ready to go. 
and she has it automatically set up so that if she gets harmed in any way, if she doesn't return to it, it'll go out to quote-unquote someone she trusts. We don't know who that is. But it's going to go out there. So, the possible fix to 5-9 may not have died with Trenton and Mobley. There is still just a glimmer of hope for this world that is just in complete and utter disarray at this point. We still got three episodes left this season. Holy crap. Uh, The things that are going to happen in, in those three episodes. You have no idea. Jesus Christ. I'll leave it at that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 8. Talk to you then.